We're here with the Buffalo Bread Podcast coming up on week 16 against the Chicago Bears in Chi-Town. The Windy City is going to be windy, but first we're going to start off by talking about the Buffalo Bills defeating the uh, Miami Dolphins in Buffalo in what can only be described as a uh, nonstop thrill ride. Dan, this was a crazy game, and uh, my favorite kind of introductory thought on the game was that um, the meme that I shared, which was uh, Aragorn and Minas Tirith being swarmed by orcs. The orcs were had a Miami Dolphins logo, and then we see Gandalf the White. And this is, you know, if you're a nerd, um, you're going to appreciate it. If you're not, you've probably already turned off the podcast. Uh, and then Gandalf the White is the snow, right, coming down to save the Aragorn Buffalo Bills because with with you know the riders of uh, Rohan. So it, uh, yeah, the fourth quarter snow. Snow was amazing um, because I, it definitely showed what we expected, which was the Bills' offense could operate in it and the Dolphins could not. And so they, of course, win that game 32-29 uh, by three points, uh, which is just a real kind of FU one-up to the Miami Dolphins winning the previous matchup by two points. Go, Dan. Uh- I would, uh, you know, these are two teams who I'd love to see in a neutral site dome at some point. Just like track meet, let it happen, right? Um, Because the weather in both of these games was absolutely insane. Though I will say the conditions for the first three quarters of this Miami game were pretty manageable, I think, for both sides. Miami came in with what I thought was a really good cold weather plan, which is they were going to run the ball. Um, and they were going to run the ball a lot. And Buffalo did very little to adjust. They stayed in their very typical nickel defense for large chunks of the game. They refused to go to base, even in clear run run situations. And Raheem Mostert ran crazy on this team. I will say my early thoughts, and if I were to summarize this game, I'm glad the Bills got the win because this will this goes a long way to them being able to clinch the, the division and stay atop the AFC and get that bye week and home field advantage. Um, and a win is a win. But for the first time, I would say in about six weeks, I wasn't happy with how the defense played. And it wasn't just it wasn't just execution, because we'll, we'll talk about that Jalen Waddle TD where it looked like Poyer was way out of position. But it was the scheme too, JJ. So what are some of the things that you saw from this game? Let's start in the Bills with the defensive side of the ball. Sure. So um, I think that, you know, I was also a little bit disappointed. And I think that the scheme, the scheme was a sacrifice scheme. So sometimes we talk about how the Bills will sacrifice run run yards in between the 20s because they want to clamp it down. It's a bend that don't break thing. And that sort of, you know, and, and it's not necessarily that they're terrible at run stopping. Um, in fact, they're, I think, the sixth best team in the league at their run stop win rate. Um, but they, the thing that they did was they chose to drop Milano and Edmonds about four or five yards deeper on the rewatch from the all 22 coaches angle. Um, they chose to drop Milano and Edmonds about four or five yards deeper, um, almost all game long to erase that middle of the field. The whole shot in the middle of the field is exactly what two has been feasting on all season to put up such incredible um, statistics to, you know, really um, get their offense cooking. And so in dropping those linebackers, their angles were bad and probably uncomfortable and unfamiliar um, in the run front and what we saw then was that it resulted in the Miami Dolphins, um, you know, four four players had rushing statistics in the game. Raheem Mostert, of course, with 17 carries, 
Um, averaged eight yards per carry, 136. Of course, he had that massive long run uh, that I believe Taron Johnson horse collared him down, which was that penalty. I don't even care about the penalty. That might have changed the entire game because if he breaks that for a TD instead of holding them to a field goal on that drive, um, of course the Bills lose the game uh, oh, yeah. based on how it all turned out. So, um, yeah, but the thing that we saw was that the Bills basically said, okay, you can run because we're not going to give you the long explosive pass play. And the Dolphins team, I have a lot of respect for them. They showed up and they showed out and they still hit two massive explosive pass plays, the touchdown to Waddle, of course, and then the touchdown to Tyreek Hill, who completely torched um, the Bills' best cover cornerback in in Tredavious White. And it's not the first time that Tyreek Hill has torched Tredavious White uh, because he torches everybody. Um, but it did ma- it did make me feel like oof you know trade not only badly missed the jam but then his recovery speed looked lagging from what I remember before his injury it did. and it it might take him some time to get back because usually he would have recovered in time to get in good position but it is Tyree Kill um, there's not a corner in the league I think they can hang with him really and so um, but yeah the the Miami offense they <laughs> not a single rusher for the offense except for their fullback Alec Engold average less than seven yards per carry which is like atrocious yeah that's just Just, crazy you know i agree props to this miami team and there were a couple of plays early in the game in the first quarter with some key dropped passes in the red zone Mm -hmm. and in the end zone that if miami executes better early on in this game we could be talking about a very different outcome because the buffalo bills even after the Los Angeles Chargers and the San Francisco 49ers in the previous two weeks had come up with this blueprint of how to slow this this Miami offense down. Coming into Buffalo, Buffalo has better personnel than the Chargers at this point, and they've got personnel that can do a lot of the things that the San Francisco personnel can do. And they chose to stick with their philosophy of de- of defense. A couple of adjustments they did make was we saw Kyer Elam get a fair amount of the snaps, almost 50% of the snap share, um, and was the leading leading snap share getter in the cornerback room behind Trey White, which you and I had been clamoring for. Like, this is the game that you draft a a man cover corner like Elam for. Uh, And he did well. He had um, one pass deflected. He had a tackle for a loss. He played a really, really solid game. Um, the Dolphins seemed, because of, I think, Hill's history of success against Trey White, really tested White a lot. It wasn't just on that one deep pass to Hill. Uh, they went after White a lot. He was targeted over a dozen times in that game, he had, and he showed up great for the most part, still recovering from that injury, but he had three pass deflections in this game as well. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was interesting because it... And, and this is... I think this is what frustrates me about the Bills' soft zone defense, it relies on guys to make individually incredible plays to turn the ball over. Um, It relies very strongly on individual playmaking in a lot of ways. Um, Guys understanding, as you say all the time, they're 111th on what they need to do. The scheme is very talent-dependent. And... We've seen the deficiencies with Dane Jackson. Kyer Elam, while we're impressed, is still up and coming. Um, there is no Micah Hyde. So you have to, uh, you have got DeMar Hamlin in the backfield. Poyer's beat up. Milano's beat up. Edmonds is having a really good season. There's no Von Miller. At some point, at some point, 
you need to scheme in a way that I feel like is more friendly to the talent on the field than sticking stubbornly to your philosophy. Um, there, there is no reason why Miami, who has really struggled to run the ball this year, should have come in and run the ball the way they did against Buffalo. I credit the Miami Dolphins for their execution, but I also think we need to point the finger a little bit at the Buffalo Bills' defensive philosophical stubbornness Mm. when it comes to dealing with these teams that clearly have some sort of game plan in mind. And this is going to play very heavily into, I think, our preview of the Chicago game because that's a team that's going to want to run the ball. They're going to want to run the ball down the Bills' throat. And if the Bills go out there and they play a bunch of nickel and they let Justin Fields run all over the place in bad weather, it could potentially be a very long game in Chicago, and it could be setting up as a trap game for the Bills. Yeah, I agree. I worry about that too. But it, it, it's sort of like with Josh. Like I know that we're talking about defense, but bear with me. Um, hey, fun. Um, sort of like with Josh Allen. Like You hate that he runs out the clock at the end of the half in the Dolphins game while looking for an open receiver and possibly costing the team getting any points before the, the half and, and double dipping. Um, but then you love the fact that he finds a receiver across his body while jumping out of bounds again uh, for the touchdown. That is the same concept with this defense and the Leslie, Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott scheme. You, you, It stinks that they just roll the guys out there, depend on individual effort, depend on 111th, the scheme is the scheme. We're going to let people go wild between the uh, 20s, and then we're going to lock it down in the red zone and limit, you know, to field goals, not touchdowns. Like, that's the whole thing. We're going to stay in nickel no matter what so that you can't use play action to hit us over the top or do anything explosive. We're going to drop two safeties most of the time or um, use a, uh, a replacement coverage where one of our corners is, is playing a deep half or deep third um, in place of a safety in the box. Like, that. That the scheme is the scheme, and you hate that they don't go in a bear front against a massively running team, which would be crazy and really cool to see because no nobody in the NFL uses that. And you hate that they don't play super strong, aggressive press man coverage at the line like the Chargers and the the Niners. Not the Niners as much, but the Chargers did against the Dolphins. But I will say this: on the rewatch, even though we both criticize them for not you know for the defense isn't the defense. I I get why they could not do that. The Dolphins had perfectly designed root combinations as a counterpunch to the jams. They were using a lot of rub concepts and trying to basically make the Bills um, coverage defenders, if they were going to play press man, rub off of each other as they like dropped in their roots. I think that if the Bills would have tried to do what the Chargers did, they would have ended up losing that game probably by two touchdowns. And I know that's an unpopular opinion and counter, counters everything you just said, but I, when I rewatched, man, like, I got to give it to the, the Miami Dolphins coaching staff and their execution. They, they came into this game with, like, three different main concepts. One of them was our roots are going to be different than anything we've done this, this season so far in order to counteract what the – um, West Coast trip showed everybody. Two was we're going to run the ball if they drop their linebackers out of the box, which they did to to great success. And then three was we're going to again rely on Tua to get the ball out, and that's not new, um, but that is a concept that you know I think that they recognized the Bills' pass rush was going to have some advantages, 
And so they very explicitly uh, made multiple level throws to try to hit the holes um, underneath Bill's coverage. And so I think that the Bills showed out pretty well in the game. Uh, at times, of course, they gave up massively to the run. And they looked like for portions of the second half that they were just kind of tripping all over themselves. But I, I think in this one, I'm going to chalk it up to Miami is that good. And I hate saying it because I think we all talked about, I think we even talked about it in the last pod, we just wanted the Bills to have this 20-plus year dynasty of crushing the AFC East under their heel as they skate easily to the you know AFC's championship and, and try to pursue the one seed against the other AFC teams. I mean, these the Jets are, are spicy and probably a couple years away and a quarterback away. The Dolphins, I think, are right there. I think that, you know, there are some opportunities for the Bills to, to keep their distance ahead um, because I think Josh Allen is a much better quarterback than Tua Tagovailoa. But it, the, the margin is closing. And I think that how these both these teams draft and manage their caps is going to determine which one of them is the, you know, standard of the AFC East for the next five years. Here are, <clears throat> here is what Tua did uh, going deep against the Bills. On yards, on passes of more than 20 yards, which his longest completed pass from an air yard standpoint was 41.3 yards in that game. He was three, let me see if I can do the math here, he was three for five on yards of twenty or more passes. Had both of his TDs down that down the, um, on those passes as well. The one to Waddle and the one to Hill. And then the Bills did a really good job of taking away the middle of the field, which we knew that they were going to try to do because that's where Tua almost always wants to go. Limited him to just six passing attempts there. Um, but they really did a horrible job taking away the intermediate and deep parts of the field in this game. And that, to me, it's it's a showcase that they didn't do enough to... And I, I get what you're saying about the, the, the route concepts that the Dolphins were running. But at the end of the day, that shows me that the Bills weren't doing enough to upset the timing of Tua to these wide receivers, and the pass rush wasn't doing enough. Um, if you're going to put your DBs out there on an island, and they did do a little bit of press, and they did do a little bit of man coverage, you need to blitz more The as re the reality for this Bills pass front. And it's something that we, I think, haven't wanted to say because the philosophy has been rush four, drop seven. But the reality is, and this is, I would argue this is even the case when Miller was in the line, when Von Miller was in the lineup. After the bye, this Buffalo Bills defensive four stopped getting pressure and were and consistently dropped in pass rush win rate rankings from the bye up until this point. It shows me that teams are keen on what this defensive philosophy is because it doesn't change, but also that the pass rush, while it was getting home a lot pre-week six, hasn't been doing that since the bye. Again, with Miller out especially, you have to ask yourself, can Boogie Basham, who was already ruled out and won't play this weekend, A.J. Epineza, opposite of Greg Rousseau, who has really popped us having a good season, can these guys win their matchups enough to consistently bring the QB down, or do the Buffalo Bills need to blitz more? And I thought this was a game that was set up for the Bills to blitz way more than they did. Because um, again, it's something that the Chargers and the Niners had showcased in the weeks prior to. The Buffalo Bills didn't do that. So while they were successful at taking away the middle of the field and some of the short area stuff, 
they still gave up massive plays through the air and on the ground. And that's something that this defense is not supposed to do from the build out and from a philosophical standpoint. Uh, to me, to do this, to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result is insanity. And we have seen since the bye week after week, this bend but don't break defense do okay. But this was ar- arguably since the Kansas City game, the best offense this team has played. And defensively, they were really, really challenged. I don't think they'll see the same challenge against Chicago, but on Monday night in Week 17 when we play Cincinnati, it'll be really interesting to see what the Bills choose to do philosophically because that's another vulnerable offensive line like this Miami offensive line. And if this Miami game is any indicator, the Bills are going to give up a lot of those big plays And I think it's going to put even more pressure on this Bills offense moving forward, too. To me, this game in a nutshell, it wasn't just about divisional opponents who know each other really well. It's can the Buffalo Bills, who offensively seem to scheme very specifically for the team that they're playing, can they do the same thing defensively, especially with some of the personnel hits they've taken as a result of injury? And with the scheme stubbornly not changing week after week, it really does make me wonder if the Buffalo Bills defensively are going to be able to do enough when they play these, they're only going to play good offenses when they get to the postseason. It's they're only going to play the Kansas cities and the Cincinnati's and the Miami's. Um, Do they have enough? I would even put Jacksonville in this realm, right? Um, I mean, look what they just did to that Dallas defense. Like can can this buff, like to me, this was a show me game for the Buffalo Bills defense and everything they gave up in the deep and intermediate parts of the field told me that they are going to stubbornly stick to their philosophy and their scheme, which puts to me even more undue pressure on this Bills offense to succeed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that that's, you know, I, I know I kind of went on my soapbox about the defense is the defense, but, um, and it has worked. I mean, you cannot fault the ratings. Like the the concept is, people will will do the do the yeah. defense, and you're going to hold them down, and your offense is going to put them in, you know, so, put the opposing team behind. So let me let me ask you yeah. that though, right? So because it, and this has been, and, and I will give credit to Bill Simmons, who like Bill Simmons, he's a Patriots fan, but every Sunday he gets on his podcast and he's like. I get this Bills defense ranks really well. They're like fourth and points allowed and all this other stuff. But let me ask you this, JJ. What about this defense scares you? What what can this defense do that takes away what the other what the opposing team is going to do, right? They didn't take away anything from Miami. They didn't take away anything except the middle of the field from Tua and he still exploited it downfield. So like, and I know this is anti me, right? But let's just go with our gut stats aside, ratings aside, because the bills have had a top five defense every year and then still get scorched in the playoffs by really good offenses. What about this defense? If you're an opposing offensive coordinator actually scares you. God, it's so boring, but the consistency, you know, like that's it. Like it, it's, it's, they're terribly, <laughs> it's, a, it's such a yeah. Bills answer. Yeah. Right. Such no, a Buffalo that's, Bills that's answer. The, that's it though. Like that, that is the design. That's what they do. And I'm not telling you, I'm not saying like, that's the way they should. I would freaking love it if they come out against the bears in a four, three base or even a five, three bear front and like, just dare them to pass anything. Right. Like I would love that because I don't think the talent for the bears or in the passer or the pass catchers will overcome the talent in the Buffalo Bills defensive secondary. 
but like they just won't, and we know they won't. It's frustrating. And I'll tell <laughs> I have another hot take, which is this is why Leslie Frazier will never get another head coaching job because head coaches. Oh, that is a hot take. Head coaches are given those opportunities because they're doing something the league is not ready for, and they're doing something new and saucy and different. I mean, look at the Dolphins. Like, look at the turnaround that happened there. With you know, again, you know, he's he's not what Mike McDaniel is that the guy? Mike McDaniel, yeah. yeah him and Josh McDan, him and Josh yeah. McDaniel's have screwed up the whole. Is a McDaniel or is a McDaniel's right. thing for right. head coaches? It's so, Mike McDaniel, no S. Josh okay. McDaniel's with Got us. It. Yeah. yeah, that's the part that confused me. So Mike McDaniel, full stop. Uh, has done this amazing job of just like he's like in the room and just like one of the bros and scheming up these like really saucy concepts on offense and, and unlocking Tua Tagovailoa to be an MVP candidate like that's that's amazing. That's not something Leslie Frazier I think would ever do and and not because he's not an offensive mind. Of course that's part of it, but I don't see Leslie Frazier going to a team that has like a defensive superstar and turning that person into like Michael Parsons right like. I, because Michael Parsons in that in under Leslie Frazier as a head coach would be responsible for his like four different run fits calling you know calling the he was he's not sending him on blitzes every third snap so like that's why I think he might not get a chance and to tell you the truth it, what opposing offenses are afraid of is that it's sort of like the the you know Patriots defense for so many years it's very similar they're afraid of we need to execute perfectly. Because these players are going to be in the right position, they're going to be well coached, and they're going to take advantage of mistakes. So that's why the Bills defense looks so awesome against rookie quarterbacks. That's why the Bills defense looks so good against struggling offensive lines, is because they're in the right position, they're above average talents, and they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're doing their job. But yeah, I mean, I if I'm in any other offense, I you know if I'm Kansas City, if I'm Miami, if I'm Cincinnati, I just say, well, okay, we're just going to out execute you because your scheme or your superstars are not super enough. Like they're not going to like just completely gobsmack us. If we try some things, as long as we're up, we're better executing than you are. It's just a consistently executing above average group of people doing what is sound defense, making, they just squeeze all the roots. They drop seven into coverage. They hope they win a one-on-one battle on the line and they hope they make your quarterback beat them with precision, accuracy and small windows. That's the whole defense, and it's, it, it is ranked highly because it works, because not many teams can do that, but you're absolutely right. The teams that can do that are the ones you see in postseasons, in Super Bowls. Right. It it, it works great in the regular season where On you trash. see Zach Wilson yeah. or Mike White twice, twice yep. right, or Mac Jones twice. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think this team is going to change defensive philosophies. I don't think the Miami game will be a wake up call for them because they they squeaked out a win here, um, but it, it's it is shaped Monday Monday night against Cincinnati in a couple of weeks. It could really be a, could really be a kick in the teeth for this Bills defense. Um, Josh Allen might have to pull another rabbit out of his hat. Um, all of my and that's probably a great segue into talking about this Bills yes. offense because for all of my frustration with the Bills defense and watching that game. Um, I loved what the offense did. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And it, you and I texted each other uh, during the first couple of series because I think 
four of Alan's first pass attempts were out of play action. Yeah. And they were actually protecting him. You, you and I were just like, yeah. play, oh my God, play action. Josh yes. not just dropping back and holding the ball for yes. three seconds. Incredible, right? It's it's the it's the stuff that we clearly called for on this pod that Dorsey was actually listening to. Ken, thanks for right. listening to the pod. Ken, um, hope the family have holiday. Right. And, and Dorsey did such a good job of changing gears in the fourth quarter once the snow started to fall. He he used that break glass in case of emergency Josh Allen running game uh, to really propel that team to the win. Um, and Josh Allen is a maniac. That yeah. dude is a maniac. You mentioned the end of that first half. Had James Cook dropped that pass and the Bills walked away with no points, we probably obviously feel differently about that. But that's what you live and die with yes. when Josh Allen is your QB. And you just got to trust him to make those plays. McDermott was clearly not happy with it at the in his post game press conference, right. but that's the type of player Josh is. And this was the first game to me since I would say the Tennessee game where Dorsey really understood how and when to use Josh Allen and Josh's maniac streak to the best benefit of the team. And that's really all you can hope to do is hope to take some of that psycho energy that josh brings and focus it at the right time in the right place i loved the game script for the first two quarters of this game um josh completed nine consecutive passes he targeted eight different wide receivers the ball distribution was as good as it had been since pre-buy um like we said the play action game was there the run game still wasn't doing much but it didn't really matter because josh was slinging it all over the field i think the third quarter lull was more about dorsey needing to figure out what adjustments he needed to make when morse went out of the lineup um and i know that's something you want to talk about is going to be the absence of mitch morse which is going to be something that i think is going to have a really strong impact on this team moving forward but overall i loved what i saw from this offensive scheme josh had a great game Four t- four passing TDs, um, had close to 400 total yards in this game, rushing and throwing. Um, and the ball distribution accuracy was there. And he attacked the middle of the field more than I think he had in previous games. Still went after the boundaries a lot, which rightfully so. Um, but I, there was a lot to like offensively for what the Bills did. JJ, where do you want to start with oh this? Oh my goodness. So um, I will say... You know, kind of like it, it's a you know good news bad news situation for me with Josh Allen in this game because the good news mark is he looked especially kind of throughout the game he looked like the Josh Allen we knew pre injury against the Jets in the first meeting in Week Nine his you know his arm angle is his throwing motion everything the balls were zipping there that first touchdown to Quentin Morris over Javon Holland's shoulder was an absolute dart. And literally the only place in the entire world that that ball could could have been snatched. It was a great catch by uh, Quentin Morris. It was good to see Q Morris get, get a touchdown there. Because um, I think he could be a, a good piece of this offense going forward um, as he develops. But that ball, I mean, there's no amount of coverage that can f- protect you against that it's touchdown. freakish. Yeah, freakish. Javon Holland was in perfect position. He And he couldn't turn around because the play was bang, bang so fast the ball was on, on him. Um, but it literally was the only place that, that, you know, he threw it basically the width of Javon's Holland shoulders was the window for that ball. And he put it just over his head. It was amazing. So, um, that was amazing. I think that he in general just looked like he could make anything happen. The bad news scenario of this though, is that, as you mentioned, that third, 
third uh, quarter lull, um, Mitch Morris, I think in the first play of the second half or the last play of the first half. First half, yeah. Got, got dinged because in the second half they came out and I think it was, um, oh geez, who did they put? It was Van Roten who had pl- filled in for Ryan Bates at right guard because Bates was out for this one. Moved over to center to fill in for Mitch Morris. So now they're down their, their starting center and starting right guard um, and then had to f- put their backup swing tackle, Quessenberry, Kuss- who's been struggling mightily in pass protection this year, um, in at right guard for Van Roten uh, as he slid, slid over. That was the whole third. That was the third quarter lull. That's when, you know, the strip sack on Allen happened. That That's when a lot of bad stuff happened. And so that's what I saw there, and that's going to – that's the bad news is we lost Mitch Morse. This is a sixth concussion in his career. He – he did not, I mean, he had one before preseason last season, I believe, or the season before, 2020. Season before, season yeah. Season before, 2020. Um, he had one in preseason then. He was out for almost two months. And so that is severely concerning because with the neurological testing that the independent you know, neurologist has for these concussion recoveries, he has to have no symptoms. And the more concussions you have, the longer you go with symptoms right. before recovery. And so... If he, you know, if if he still has those symptoms as they go, um, he might be out for a little while. Hope he comes back quick, and I, you know, for his health as well. Um, but certainly for the Bills and their productivity, he's their best offensive lineman. And I'll say that knowing Deion Dawkins is going to the Pro Bowl, um, or no, Deion Dawkins is not, is not going to the Pro Bowl. Mitch Morris is going yeah. to the Pro Bowl. Yeah. yeah, he is their best offensive lineman. So that that's a concern. That's that's the bad news scenario. But the good news is Josh Allen looked awesome. Bad news, Mitch Morse down, offensive line hurt, not great. Um, and also Josh Allen looks like he may have, with all of the running snaps, he might have jacked up his elbow a little bit in this game because he was li- he's always been listed on the injury report since that Jets game with the elbow. But he, for the first time, had to be a limited participant this week in three weeks, the first time that he's been like limited by that elbow. So, yeah, and and it's interesting because a lot of those throws, the the throw to Quentin Morris is a perfect example. They looked like pre-injury Josh, like the accuracy was there. The fine tuning was there on a lot of his throws. He was what, 20, 25 of 40 for 304 and 4 TDs, yeah. which is great. And, he had a passer rating of close to 120. I mean, I'm, it was just a yeah. great game. Yeah, I'm not going into panic mode with that either, with the fact that he had a limited participation on one of the days with that elbow. Only because that was an extremely physical game he played in cold temperatures. He did throw the ball 40 times. Hopefully they just limited him for one day of practice this week just to give him a chance to kind of recover a little bit um, uh, from that because they are, you know, they're playing another Saturday game. So it's not like they have any extra, any extra rest. Um, That'll be for the next matchup uh, after the game on Sunday or Saturday against the the Bears. They'll have kind of a two day, two day mini, you know, recoveries period. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I, uh, I think that it was more just trying to get Josh some rest after he had played a really, really tough game in really adverse conditions. And then knowing that they're going into a game with other adverse conditions, um, you know, the bills other outside of Josh, as is typical, could not get much going with the run game. We saw James cook with a great receiving TD that really bailed the bills out at the end of that first half. Um, all of all of Josh's passes were to either running backs or tight ends in this game. Naheem Hines had a TD, Dawson Knox, Quentin Morris, and James Cook. Yep. So it it was interesting. It was so refreshing to see so many of these other guys 
get targets, get used throughout the course of the game. And it really made Miami have to think anybody on the field was going to be a weapon at some point. Cole Beasley got his one target for for nine yards, right? Doing Cole Beasley things in that seven to nine yard range. Um, But it, it seemed like, again, for the first time really since the bye, the Buffalo Bills finding themselves offensively with a scheme that really made you think everyone on the field could be a could be a weapon. The only thing that derailed them, like we said, the Mitch Morris injury and some of the adjustments that had to get be made there. Uh, JJ, uh, what are your thoughts on this Bills run game? Because it does continue to be a concern after popping and showing some signs of improvement. What do you make of the Bills not being able to get much going outside of Allen in this game? Um, I mean, I I continue to have the same kind of observations about. Um, it got really, I got really excited for a few weeks there because they were mixing up the run scheme. Um, but the, the story of this, of this game or of, of this game and the, the inability to get a run going is basically when they meet a team that has a, a decent running, uh, defense, rushing defense, they're going to struggle unless they have their preferred five offensive linemen in and clicking. And those are two different things. Those are two different standards. So They've had their preferred five offensive line, I think, like two or three games this season and have looked pretty good in rushing um, for maybe one and a half of those. So it's really like it's not just about getting their preferred five. It's about getting their preferred five and uh, having them kind of like clicking really well. Because the it's so funny because the Bills don't have um, – they, they don't have a terrible – you know, based on ESPN's, you know um, – run run blocking win rate they don't have a terrible team yeah. but it, i mean it's bottom you know bottom of the league in a lot of ways 25th so um they only win on about 70 percent of their snaps when they're the, running the ball um when they're pass blocking and it, this has a lot to do i think with the bills you know uh going for more athletic offensive linemen who can, can cut off the edge edge rushers and those sorts of things um, they're at 65% of the, of a win rate and they're sixth best in the league. And so, you know, I think the, the run blocking is, is going to suffer and it still does. And I think part of it is the talent and part of it is the consistency. Um, because the thing with an offensive line is it's like a, I think Steve Tasker might've said this at some point, it's a, it's a team sport within a team sport that you can have, it's a game within a game because your offensive line and, you know, in very amateur kind of layers that I played that, that position, it really is about what kind of chemistry you as a unit have and how you can trust each other. And so if you have guys coming in and out of the lineup, combo blocks won't work as well. Scraping into the second level won't work as well. If you have different wide receivers coming in and out of the lineup, pin, pin pull concepts around the edge won't work as well. And the other piece is that defenses, when the bills started getting successful with the pin pull concept, started playing pin pull differently. They actually yeah. they floated their their edge defenders a little bit farther from the line so that that pin wouldn't come you know had had to come at a different angle, and once you get out in space as a linebacker, moving around a wide receiver is not as hard as when they're blindsiding you when you're close up to the line. So they just basically mm-hmm. to to defend against the edge rushing the teams that the Bills have played for the last few weeks have just dropped their linebackers off the line by a yard or two so they can easily skirt around that pin attempt. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, we had talked about, I think it was a couple of pods ago, when the Bills were in the midst of 
what seemingly felt like they were finding their run game and how multiple they were, like how they could run different concepts and different schemes with the offensive line, even despite some of the injuries that they had. And I think we just got to be honest, like they were doing some of that against bad run defenses, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, I, I think that, I think it's as simple as that. I think, and again, credit to Dorsey, because this offense continues to scheme for the weaknesses of the opposing defenses. Um, I just think we talked about how strong the Miami front four were. I think when you're dealing with a front four that is as strong and really a front seven that's as strong as what Miami is bringing to the table, snap in and snap out. If you have substandard offensive line personnel, there's only going to be so much that you can do with that scheme. So credit to Dorsey for milking as much as he, I think, humanly possibly can out of this offensive line when it comes to run efficiency. The reality is is that the ceiling on this run offense is very low. And even heading into the playoffs, it is going to really live or die by what Josh can do with his legs into the postseason. And I think we just need to accept that fact. Like Singletary came on at the end of last season, and he rushed the ball very, very well for the last six weeks last season. I don't see anybody kind of parachuting in here. Like Ike Butker is now off of IR. And I think he's active. Yep. I don't think Butker is going to give us the boost that Bates did last year, right? Because um, Butker was in when they were struggling, and Bates replacing him is what fixed the, the guard position. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think at some point, the run offense is what it is. It is good enough to where it can exploit bad run defenses. Yep. But it is not good enough to where if it goes up against a solid front four, solid front seven, that it's going to be able to do much outside of Josh. And again, once we get into the postseason, they're going to play a lot of really solid front fours and front sevens. So I think I think Dorsey's done a great job milking what he can to save Josh for Josh's legs and his body for this moment that we're in the season. But I would expect this week. Monday night, week 18 in the Patriots and in the postseason, we now see Josh Allen design runs factor yeah. in massively yes. into what this offense is going to do. Now, now is the time. Now is yeah. the time. And, and all we, I mean, and really that that's, I think probably that's the concept they came into the year knowing what kind of talent they had on the offensive line was the thought that like the Josh Allen, you know, it's like the break class in case of emergency scheme for the rushing attack. And they probably didn't want to use it in the, early parts of the season because you you want the, the stretch run. You don't want to lose Josh for three or four, three or four weeks and then lose, you know, position in the, in the AFC in the uh, conference or in the division. And so I think at this point they're probably like, okay, well we are close. We're locked up a playoff seed. We've, we're, we're going for, we've locked up a playoff berth. We're going for the AFC East. We're going for that number one seed. We got to scrabble to use everything we can and kind yeah. of take, take the lumps as they come. Um, and I think if you're Bill's Mafia sitting out there, all you need to hope for, hope with me, I set up a little shrine, uh, with a bunch of, you know, small figurines of offensive tackles and guards on it. We're going to pray and try to manipulate through voodoo magic and black magic stuff. The Buffalo Bills to use a top premium. And I'm not talking about their first round pick. I'm talking about any in the top three premium pick on a solid offensive lineman to try to like give this unit some help. Um, with without waiting till the fifth or sixth round and using also rands and, and other teams kind of cast asides. 
Um, and I'm really hoping that Aaron Cromer had that in part of his hiring contract is like the Buffalo Bills <laughs> will use a top three pick on um, a stud offensive lineman. Um, you know, and <laughs> speaking of stud offensive linemen, I'm sort of disappointed that we're not going to see Tevin Jenkins in this game. It looks like he's probably he's probably out for this one. Yeah, um, he's he, he was, didn't yeah. didn't practice. He's listed as doubtful with a neck injury. We love we loved yeah. Jenkins and the draft love process last Tevin game. Jenkins. And he's having a Pro Bowl season, so um, yeah, this season. So look, look, it took him a little time to get it together, but looking really good. And uh, hope hope he heals up next week. Uh, can come back against their next opponent and not us. So yeah, and um, not us. Yes. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think that you're right. I think your your assessment of the Bills' run game is spot on. It's not going to be a strength. It's going to look great against teams with really poor run defense. Um, this Bears team, I think, is 11th in run stop win rate, and so they're they're sort of the the you know inverse of the Bills. The Bills have a high pass rush win or high uh, run stop win rate, low um, lower pass rush win win rate at this time. The Bills or the Bears are better at stopping the run and have like an abysmal pass rush. They don't have any pass rushers. Um, you know, we were talking about this pre-pod, but Aaron Aaron Rodgers against the Bears had like a, a few snaps with between ten and twenty seconds to throw in a completely clean pocket without moving his legs. So um, we'll see what what comes of the the game. Yeah. And I think that's probably a good segue to start talking about Chicago. But before we do, you want to wrap up our prop bets on this Miami game? Absolutely. A prediction sure to go wrong and prop bets brought to you by our hubris. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) we we, we both picked the Bills to win this one. Neither of us thought it was going to be as close and terrifying as it was. I texted you that uh, in the fourth quarter from about minute, you know, um, 12 until like minute two, my heart rate uh, was like 125 beats per sec per minute, and uh, and my like Fitbit app was like, are, you know, are you doing a workout? We're logging this for you. I was like, no, I'm sitting on my couch in a complete panic, like this is watching just, a football yeah, game. Watch, this is what this does to me. This is my heart rate. Yeah. So um, thankfully, I didn't have a cardiac event, and the outcome of the game was it was a 40 44 points um, was the was the over under, and they went way over. Um, we both. Uh, Picked the Bills to win. I had 28-17. You had 24-17. And, of course, it ended up being 32-29. And so we both got the Bills win correctly. Um, You thought it was going to be the under, so you lost on that one. Uh, I thought that they would cover. You thought they they wouldn't cover it. They didn't cover, so you got that part of it. Um, But we both underestimated this Miami team, and and they showed out. So um, other props, you had a prop that Kyrie Elam would get 24.5% of defensive snaps and pick the over with hope, and you nailed it, 47% of defensive snaps. Uh, Kyrie Elam had the second most D- the CD snaps to only Trey White, so that was really awesome to see. I'm glad I was wrong there. Um, Ed Oliver, I, I, I think every prop every week I, I pick Ed Oliver to get over one sack because I just so desperately want him to get have this he's, amazing season. He's having such a good season. Such good it just pressure. doesn't. Yeah. It just doesn't show up in the stat sheet. But God, he is no. a game wrecker in the middle of that defensive line. And I just, I feel like, I feel like he should have ten sacks at this point with how how he penetrates on the interior of most offensive lines. He, he's got a uh, he's got moral sacks. So 
Um, <laughs> moral victories yeah, exactly. at Oliver, king at of Oliver. moral victories. Moral, moral sacks. He, he's in the he's in the neighborhood. He's he's it's the Jerry Hughes Award for near misses. Um, and so, um, one point five sacks. He had freaking zero. Jerry we, Hughes. We both pick <laughs> always under. comes back to that. I know, I know. It's a theme of the pot. Um, we both pick under <laughs> for one sack, but he didn't even get that. Uh, Josh Allen, two and a half overall TDs was a prop that I had, and he got four, and we both picked over. We thought he'd go for three, so that was awesome. And again, for those of you keeping keeping track with your scorecard at home, Josh Allen has now tied Dan Marino with 171 total touchdowns in his first five seasons in the league and uh, looks to break that record and be in sole possession of the NFL record for uh, basically touchdown production in uh, QB's first five seasons um, this weekend, so that's exciting. And then finally, we had a prop. Third and Beasley would have five or more snaps on offense. He had 11 total snaps, uh, which was exciting, but he didn't really play in the game at all. Uh, one target, one reception in that 7-9 area, like you said. Um, and Khalil Shakur had 22 snaps, uh, So, but they also didn't target him. So we both picked over, both hit on that. Awesome. All right. Um, let's move on to Chicago. Yes. This is the game the Bills have coming up at 1 p.m. Weather will yet again be a factor. Uh, weather prediction according to weather.com is wind gusts of up to 20 miles an hour uh, starting game time temperature of seven degrees with wind chill factoring in to make on-field temps feel like it's going to be negative 11 degrees Uh, yeah yeah so weather factoring in again not as bad as that new england primetime game we had last year where i think it was like 50 mile an hour like you just 50 mile an hour winds like that yeah no humans are not designed to no. play football, let alone survive to in those types of situations. Outside. Exposure deaths are a risk. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's not going to be that, but it is going to be cold and it is going to be windy. And the Bills, JJ, are about to go against a Chicago team that wants to run the ball. And based on what we saw against Miami, the Bills tend to be really stubborn in their run in their run defense schematics. So what do you see as some of the keys for the Buffalo Bills here against a Justin Fields-led Chicago Bears rushing attack? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll start where I always do. The, uh, the Chicago Bears offensive line um, is pretty, pretty bad at, and I say bad with a weird, you know, italicize on, on the tone because um, they're bad at, at, at pass blocking but a lot of that has to do with Justin Fields having the longest time to throw in the entire league by like a mile it's like a yeah his average time to throw is like a 1.5 seconds longer than than anyone than the 31st worst who is yeah. Zach Wilson and we all know how that goes and so I said before we started recording like gosh I hope Justin Fields doesn't have like this world you know world changing workman like yeah, um game like Zach Wilson did where he like changes his tone and gets the ball out in under two seconds every time and like just looks looks great but I also don't think that he has the kind of weapons on the outside for it so they're going to run that's all to get to the point of they're going to run and this offensive line is built to run they're pretty good at it um, but a lot of the rushing production production comes from Justin Fields himself who's already a 1,000 yard rusher and so it will be interesting to see if the you know Bears are able to to make productivity on the ground other than Justin Fields scrambling because they are looking at a game where they're, as I mentioned already, they're missing Tevin Jenkins or probably missing Tevin Jenkins is doubtful. They're um, also doubtful for Cody Whitehair, who's one of their guards, 
who probably won't be playing in this game. So they're a little bit banged up on their line, very much like the Bills. Um, they found uh, Braxton Jones out of Southern Utah in the fifth round yep. of this this draft, and he already looks like he he's a top ten tackle in the league. So good on them and their scouting department to uncover a fifth round starting left tackle in the in the draft because that's that's solid. He's probably their best offensive lineman at this point. Um, Jatire Carter is their Jatir Carter is their left guard. He's also solid. Sam Mustafer center. He's okay, uh, average in the in the league. Um, their right guard is probably going to be Michael Schofield, who's been around since 2014. Um, he's decent, and their right tackle Riley Reef um, is going is has been around for a long time now. Ten years uh, was a first round selection, but definitely not who you want protecting your quarterback on the right side. Um, they might also we might also see Alex Leatherwood, who is like the stone cold lock first round pick out of Alabama a couple years ago by the Las Vegas Raiders and has flamed out epically in the league. Uh, is not like literally a liability every snap he takes in pass protection, um, especially at either tackle position. And so we might actually see him slide into guard over Schofield um, if you know it's not going well for Schofield. So. It's going to be interesting, and I think they are going to try to run it. They, of course, have um, their running back is David Montgomery. Good. Uh, has been in the league for a little while, a few years, and is the he is like he's a carbon copy of Devin Singletary. They even have similar-sounding last names, Singletary Montgomery. Like, they're very they, – they remind me of each other. Every snap I watch, I was like, that's Devin Singletary. How does he playing on their team? Because he's he's shifty. He can make people miss in space. He's not going to blow open a 70-yard run, but he is reliable. He's good with kind of ball security. He'll get hard yards. He's um, surprisingly physical for his size. And so there's a lot there to, to like, and, and he will take advantage of missed tackles. You have to be in good position. You have to wrap him up. And so I think the Bills might struggle a little bit, unless, of course, they you know uh, utilize the 4-3 base defense like you, you're talking about and uh, – we should make we should make a prop bet on that one too. <laughs> we should. It was something yeah. we were talking about pre pod where if the Bills if the Bills in this game stay in nickel, it, it's it's just it's it's hubris at this point. It's arrogance mm-hmm. at that point. And I get the Taron Johnson's great in the run stopping game, but if AJ Klein doesn't see the field in this game for for considerable snaps, especially with Boogie Basham being out. Um, and that, that defensive roster spot open for an active player. I, I just, I would be stunned. I would really be stunned. The, the Chicago bears, as far as their run efficacy goes, um, according to football outsiders, this is a top four unit when it comes to power running. So that's rushes on third down of two or less to go. Basically, you know, we're going to run it. We know we're going to run it. Can you stop us? They have an 80% success rate on those types of runs. That's very good. Um, a lot of, I mean, it's insane. It's absolutely insane. This is a team that has developed, and we saw it with that Monday night primetime game against uh, New England, where that was kind of Justin Fields coming out party when it came to his ability to lead this offense with his legs as much as his arm. Um, and the, the Chicago Bears, for better or worse, have committed to that identity especially with weather factoring in the way it's going to be. And you look at the lack of weapons that Chicago is bringing to bear on the outside at the wide receiver spot. This is a game that is set up to be a physical 
win it in the trenches type of game. I think Jenkins being out, if he is out, is going to ultimately help help Buffalo. A player of that caliber not being able to play would, of course, help the opposing team's defense. But Chicago's going to want to run the ball. Fields, Montgomery are going to want to run the ball. They're not going to do anything cute. They're not going to do anything to sugarcoat it or or any to disguise it. This is going to be as smash mouth, I think, as the Buffalo Bills will see an opponent want to be. And it'll be interesting to see how they respond. If they respond with nickel, JJ, I'm going to lose my mind. Lose <laughs> my mind. Yeah. This feels this feels like it just has to be a base 4-3 game, right? You stick Elam and you stick Trey White out on Chase Claypool and whoever the hell is going to line up opposite him. And you're like, Trey, Kair, lock that shit down. Because yes. everybody else... Everybody else is going to go go to work with seven or eight guys in the box until Fields proves that he can actually throw the ball. Well, and, and to your point, um, Chase Claypool is doubtful for this game uh, with a with a knee injury. Did not participate thir- Wednesday or Thursday. Was a limited participant on Tuesday, so I don't think he's going to end up taking snaps. So it's really going to be Enkeel Harry and oh gosh, uh, Austin of Pettis. New England Patriots fame. Yeah. And Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis. Dante Pettis. I keep getting that wrong. Was there an Austin Pettis in the league some time ago? There was, yeah. All right. Good enough. Uh, Dante Pettis, Byron Pringle, and Kiel Harry, because they're top two wide receivers in Equinemius St. Brown and uh, Chase Claypool both look like they're going to be out. Equinemius is fully out. He's got a concussion. So he's in the protocol. He's not going to play at all. And so, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I'll say this is also, you know, a hot take. I like myself some A.J. Klein or Terrell Dodson in run support, sure. But what about Balen Specter? I oh, loved that guy. Bob, in, Bobby pre, Boucher Jr.? <laughs> yes. He was, I, he was a missile. Heat-seeking, run-stuffing missile in preseason. But I, And I know it's preseason. He's playing against backups and guys who may be even out of the league at this point, especially when he was on the field. Um, he had a lot of free. He had a lot of free runs in the preseason yeah. too. Yeah. He had a lot of like unblocked plays. <laughs> yeah, and that you know, and I appreciate that. But like, the thing I see um, when I when I look at his picture on the Bills roster on their website is um, who was the Penn State linebacker that played for the Bills? Uh, middle linebacker, huge, huge guy, and I played for the Jags. Uh, Puzlesny. Oh, Paul Puzlesny. Yes. That's who yeah. I see. He's he's like a he's not as giant as Paul Puzlesny, but he is. That dude was huge. Yeah. That was huge. I, I shook his big. hand in training training camp one time. Did I tell you that? Um, no. I went to St. John Fisher. Uh, a friend of mine from high school was working for the the Dick Duran Bills, you know, equipment staff, and got us in the like players family tent where we were sort of watching uh, training camp years ago uh, when we worked at Colgate actually. Uh, and uh, I went and I, I shook Paul Puzzles' hand. I met Fred Jackson. I got Trent. Trent. Ah, uh, oh, geez, what's his name? Edwards. Trent Edwards. Ugh. Got him to sign a hat. You know, like. <laughs> but anyway, I I am a I am a large American. I shook Paul Puzzles' hand, and his entire hand engulfed my hand, like I was a small was small say. child. Yeah, it was. It's like just... his individual fingers had biceps. It was insanity. <laughs> <laughs> that dude was huge. He tackled he someone jacked. so hard 
that he broke both of his arms. I'm pretty sure. Like when you <laughs> when you hit somebody with your body so hard that your your parts start falling off, like that's a hard hit. So anyway, he was I, something. That guy I, was something. He, I digress. Different breed of linebacker. Yeah. yeah, I digress. We should get back to it. And I I love the idea of a four three um, base defense and. You know, I think that you're absolutely right. If they, they can lock up the offensive weapons on the outside with the coverage talent that they have, this is one of those games where this isn't they're not rolling out Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Like you can reliably get them with Kyrie Elim and Trey White, I'm sure. Um, absolutely. So just stuff it because if the Browns can't run, they can't do anything. Yeah, if you've got to put the ball, if you got to put the game on Field's arm as opposed to his legs, mm-hmm. it, you're talking very, very, very different potential for success here. I think the line on this game is eight, even with the weather being what it is. And the Bills have been terrible at covering big lines this year. Terrible. Um, but this feels like a game, if they play it right defensively, like from a personnel standpoint, they should be able to win their matchups against this Chicago Bears offense. They should be able to limit this offense, even with the weather being what it's going to be, to a reasonable amount of yards on the ground. I mean, again, I'm like I, I keep I keep like having to tell myself this. This is the team that shut down Derrick Henry in week two of yeah. the season. You know, I mean I, listen, man. Like the run game offensively has been inconsistent at times, the Buffalo Bills run defense has been inconsistent at times. And it really has depended on, it. are they outmanned, right? Is the personnel they're facing better? Um, is the scheme they're facing better? And this is a game where the personnel will objectively will not be better than what the Bills can bring to bear, especially if Jenkins is out on that offensive line. This is a game where the Buffalo Bills really should assert some physical dominance against what is an inferior team. And I'm hoping, hoping, and we'll talk about this when we get to prop bets, I'm really hoping we see a little bit of evolution of that philosophy to meet an opposing team where they're going to be at, which is wanting to run the ball. So, JJ? Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I was going to say, so... I don't think there's much else to really talk about because this Chicago Bears offense is so limited. Um, what, it, this feels like a good segue to talk about the Bills offense against this Bears defense. And I'll be honest with you, as I was doing prep for this game, um, I went through my all my DVOA stuff, right? The Bears are like 29th in defensive yeah. DVOA. They're terrible. Um, everyone knows they traded away their two best defensive players earlier in the season with Roquan Smith. And uh, <clears throat> who is the other one? Oh, they traded away. Oh, I can't remember who it was. I'm blanking on who it was. Yeah, but they traded away two guys before the trade deadline. Obviously, in rebuild mode on this defense. Um, Again, the weather it seems to be the biggest limiting factor to what the Bills are going to be able to do offensively. But Mitch Morse has already been ruled out for this game, Um, Um, which means I'm sorry. I it's my fault, Dan. It's Khalil Mack. What? UB grad. Oh, oh, oh. No, 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 they traded two. They traded, oh, yeah, they, they traded two. him. Yeah. They traded two guys at the deadline. I know they traded Mac pre before the season. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. But they traded two guys before the deadline. I can't Robert Quinn. The light. Robert yeah. Quinn. There yeah. it is. He went to Philadelphia. Defensive end. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And then yeah, I think he sacked <clears throat> Justin Fields nine times last week. But. <laughs> yeah, he really did. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. So 
So, you know, Justin Fields is is like the 2019 version of Josh Allen that the Bills yes. defense will be going against. Um, but here with the 2022 version of Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills offense, um, weather aside, this feels like a game that the Bills offense should be able to dictate pace of play. It feels like, again, depending on what the weather will allow, seeing some of that great ball distribution that um, Dorsey schemed in and that Josh was able to execute on as that elbow gets healthier and healthier um, should be interesting. I don't see the Bills rush traditional rushing offense doing much outside of whatever Josh Allen is able to do with his legs. Um, listen, on paper, again, this is an offense that has this Chicago Bears defense remarkably outgunned yes. in a variety of different ways. And if the weather wasn't looming in the background... I would say this game would be a 40-burger for the Bills, but the weather is looming in the background. Um, so trying to take weather out of it to some extent, what do you see the Bills doing on offense against this very, very below-average uh, Chicago Bears defense? Well, I, I have one one thought, and it's that in that game with like the 40-50 mile-per-hour wins against the New England Patriots where Mac Jones threw one pass, the thing that they discovered too late in that game was that Josh Allen's laser beam cannon of right arm could cut through that wind. And I don't see Dorsey making that mistake again. And I think that, you know, most people could would say that maybe Dorsey's a little bit more aggressive than Brian Dable was. And so I do think that we see the Bills try to test these outside corners. The, the um, Bears' outside corners are very poor. Uh, Kyler Gordon's in, in the slot. He's coming on a little bit, having a decent, you know, young season. Um, Jaquan Brisker, who is their second-round pick out of Penn State at safety, is it, he looks like he's going to be very good. He's not there yet and can get kind of – he can take the candy uh, on a, with a quarterback's eyes, but, um, but he does look like he's going to be good. And that is it. I've just told you about all of the people on the Chicago Bears defense who are, who are good. Everybody else is like an also ran. It's just a guy, right? So somebody to fill a spot. So they're probably not going to face much pressure at all on Josh Allen if they can, you know, hold up. And again, that's the Bills offensive line I'm talking about. That's not going to give up a lot of pressure to this defense. That's how poor their pass rush is. They have eight sacks as a team. There are so many individuals in the league who solo have that many. And the Chicago Bears have eight as a team. So what I see from the Bills is I hope and pray that what they'll do is that they can take advantage of weak middle line or weak linebacker coverage um, for the Bears. They can continue to distribute the ball. This should be if you have Stephon Diggs. Um, I don't know if you're still playing in any fantasy championships, but this is probably a must start for Stephon Diggs because he was a little bit um, reduced and limited, and I don't see that. The Chicago Bears would have to cover him with three people to slow him down based on just talent alone um, mm -hmm. with who they're trying to cover. So I see this being a Stefan Diggs game. I see Josh Allen getting going to the tight ends again. Short, short passes. Um, probably not going to air it out too long down the field because of the wind. Um, you can't really get that ball up uh, for wor worry that's going to move and, and be picked off. So what I see is, like you said, probably not a big rushing game for the Bills. Maybe some Allen design runs. And the Chicago defense is is kind of a variety of things. They tend to, <clears throat> they give up, I think, the most points in the league in the second quarter 
and the Bills score the most points in the league in the second quarter. So hopefully that means we see some fireworks in the second quarter going into the half. And then it's weird because the Bears actually look very good in the third quarter on defense um, this season, and the Bills are pretty poor in the third quarter on on offense. So it might be a weird lull, uh, but I do see the Bills getting productivity, getting up on the scoreboard, and sort of daring Chicago to beat them with the pass. I hope that that daring comes in the form of a 4-3 defense and maybe a Bale Inspector sighting, but that's just me as a fanboy. I think um, Klein and Bernard, Bernard yeah. are likely to get those snaps, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So, um, ah, but I, don't, I, I think Terrell Bernard. I, I have a lot of thoughts on Terrell Bernard thus far, but um, yeah, I see the Bills having opportunities against this team, and um, I'm very curious from an offensive perspective to see if the Buffalo Bills uh, roll out Ike Butker. Um, he oh, I may, think they're going to have to. Yeah. He may even be an upgrade in certain pass sets over Roger Saffold because I think Saffold's a better run blocker but has shown out to, to give up a lot of inside pressure. But again, this is you know a defensive line from the Bears that's not really going to scare anybody. Justin Jones, 38 out of 100 overall defensive grade. Dominique Robinson, edge rusher, 48 out of 100. Uh, they've got Armand Watts, 47. Uh, they're all super low, kind of 48. Travis Gibson, uh, fifth rounder, 2020, uh, on the, the edge um, right side. So, yeah. If the Bills give up a sack this game, they should be embarrassed. Yeah, like yeah, even absolutely. If, even if it's like mostly their backup offensive linemen, like they like they should be embarrassed if they give up a sack this game. I mean, so defensively speaking, when it comes to rankings, Chicago Bears are fifteenth, right in the middle of the pack in the league. They're giving up on, on and around two hundred and eleven yards per game through the air. Um, that is remarkably better than the Buffalo Bills, who are giving up 219 yards a game through the air. Uh, when it comes to defensive ru- uh, rush yards per game, this is the 27th ranked rush defense for sh- rush defense for Chicago. They give up on average 143 yards on the ground. So we've talked about how the Buffalo Bills seem to be able to run the ball well, personnel and health dependent against really bad rushing defenses this is a really bad rushing defense so again depending on what the weather is doing i agree with you i see a lot of the short and intermediate stuff working for these bills but i see dorsey and mcdermott wanting to establish singletary and cook early in this game um and then if those two can't get going i definitely see a see a situation where josh allen is doing his best 2019 josh allen impression and running all over the field on the spares defense yep. too very good. Um, do you feel like you're ready to make some kind of predictions and prop bets? I am, yes. Right. I think I am very ready to do that. <laughs> All right. All right, so um, I, listen, the, the, the Bills defense, should. I'm, I'm just going to go right, right at the final score. I'm going to go Bills 24, uh, Bears 7 in this mm-hmm. game. Okay. Um, I am going to obviously take the under on the point total. The un, right now, the over under for for total points in this game is forty point five, and that number is likely going to go down depending on what the weather forecast is at kick. Um, and the Bills are a eight point favorite, so I've got them covering mm-hmm. for the first time in a while on a big spread. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've got the under on this game too. Sure. Um, 
this Bills this Bills defense should assert its will against the Chicago Bears offense. No questions asked. And if they don't, if if they don't, we've got real concerns heading into Monday night against Cincinnati. Absolutely, I I would agree with that sentiment. I think I don't think it's going to even be that high of a scoring affair. I think that um, I see I see this game being messy. Um, I, I just keep thinking about that the Patriots game, you know, and the wind game. And I know I said that I think this, you know, Dorsey probably will use Josh Allen's arm and leg a little bit more than they did against the Patriots in that first meeting last year. But I still see it being a low scoring affair. I think it's, uh, I'm thinking 17, 10 bills. And the reason I got 10 is because this Buffalo bills team is the worst missed tackle defense in the entire league. Again, like I know statistically they're a good defense, um, but they do miss a lot of tackles, and I feel like that means Justin Fields is going to take one on a much longer touchdown run than anybody feels comfortable with, and we're all going to be frustrated um, at least one time. And so uh, 17-10, I got the Bills not covering, and I'm smashing the under as well. Awesome. All right. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm super interested to see how the weather factors yeah. in because I think that's going to have a, be dictating huge, huge a lot of the action. Um, all right. So let's see, let's move on to some prop bets. We have talked, I've got one. We've talked a lot about the Buffalo bills. Will they get out of their, listen, let's nickel is their preferred defense, but will they get out of nickel for this game against a team who very clearly wants to run the ball on them? And I'm going to say, yes, I think they're going to have to. So I'm going to go over under 37.5% of the of the uh snaps played that the buffalo bills will run in their base four three and i'm going to take the over because there if any game was begging for them to play three backers in this game and give taron johnson a night off it's this game yeah and i think in you know we talked we talked a lot about this but um throughout the bottom and so forth um i'm smashing the under i think that they have less than 25 percent of their snaps in base four three and this is why, even when that was the exact, exact principle that you needed to use to beat the, the Patriots in the second meeting last year when the Bills absolutely trounced them, what did they do against that rushing offense? They didn't do base 4-3. In fact, that was still less than 15 or 20% of their snaps. They actually just replaced Taron Johnson with Saran Neal as, as a heavy slot. So I see them sticking to a nickel defense and maybe <laughs> swapping out a heavy slot. But isn't isn't this why you draft a guy like Terrell Bernard or you, like you bring back AJ? Like, isn't this the game where you want? Like, Neal has not had a good season this well, year. Like, it's just so... It's so I, frustrating. I, it's so frustrating it, they just keep doing the same defense, even though it, it's against their own best interests. But like I also too, I acknowledge that I'm at my dining room table podcasting about it, and they're actually paid to <laughs> yeah, do these things, yeah. so they know more shit than I do about this. Yeah. Obviously, well, um, and, but and God, Leslie Frazier was just inducted into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. So like, yeah, yeah so yeah. like, yeah, and I, after this, I'm gonna make a make a ten o'clock in the evening sandwich. That's like gonna it. be my highlight, right? So yeah, like I get, I, I fully get the context with which I say this that I. Yeah. I know far less than what I'm talking about. But at some point, you've got to take the body of evidence in the long term into account. Oh, yeah. And the Bills, when they get they get beat the exact same way 
every single time against teams that run the ball on them or throw the ball on them. And it's not always teams with better personnel that are beating them in that way. So like at some point, there's just there's just got to be a change in overall sh- in overall philosophy to account for that. I just yeah. Anyway, I've watched a lot of Bills football. <laughs> I know, like I'm I just know. yeah. So you, yeah. Had, you um, had another prop about Justin Fields rushing. Yeah, over under sixty five and a half yards rushing. I'm going to take the over. Um, You're going to take over. I think it's good. Yeah, I'm going to take over with a hundred plus <clears throat> yards rushing. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think he's going to run silly on this Bills nickel defense. Yep. Watch Saran Neal chasing from behind. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I know. It doesn't make me happy. Um, I think Josh Allen is sacked zero times. Uh, so over under 0.5 sacks on Josh Allen. I said earlier in the putt it would be embarrassing for this offensive line to give up a sack on Josh Allen, uh, especially, against a t- <laughs> especially, especially against a team that – through 16 weeks has averaged half a sack a game. Yep. Um, but I'm going to take the over because okay. this offensive line has been pretty embarrassing this yeah. season. So, yep. And yep, I'm going to take the over. And sticking in the trenches from the last uh, prop of the pod, um, something to note, uh, Ed Oliver is questionable, and Jordan Phillips is also questionable. So late in the practice week, it came up that Ed Oliver – um, on Wednesday was a limited participant with a calf injury, and then on Thursday was a, did not participate um, and was questionable. And so Jordan Phillips, limited participant all week with that shoulder injury, he suffered chasing Mac Jones. Um, so he's questionable and Ed Oliver questionable. So that worries me quite a bit for this prop, but the prop is uh, Buffalo Bills defense, two and a half sacks over under. I mean, Justin Fields is the most sacked QB in the league. He's going to be without Jenkins. At some point, if the Bills are up, Fields is going to have to throw the ball, yeah. and he holds onto the ball for 3.12 seconds. I'm going to take the over, uh-huh. because even with as beat up as this Buffalo Bills defensive line is, this is still a unit that should be able to generate pressure in a guy like Fields. I also like the idea of in a world where um, they are spying or Milano or Edmonds are close to the line to stuff the run, that they'll see an opportunity and, and shoot in and, and get him on the ground. And so, yeah, I think that two and a half sacks is not specifically defensive linemen for these, but I think it's over two and a half as well. Um, this is also a good prove game for Greg Rousseau. You have a very poor right tackle situation, and you, you rush from the left edge. So let's see you use that condor-like length, and that's something that Justin Fields hasn't seen in terms of his escapability. And so maybe that's an opportunity for Rousseau to have a big game as well. Uh, who, who would have thought a game against a, a, a putrid opponent like the Chicago Bears would have so much, so many interesting nuggets to yeah. give us, um, confirming or potentially um, not confirming some of the thing, things we feel about this team heading into the postseason here. But all right, JJ, I, uh, I feel very content with where we've hit this thing yet again. Um, For all of you listening at home, like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, and Spotify. JJ, as always, go Bills. Go Bills. Go Bills.